You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Innovations in Medicine, enhancing the medical community's knowledge of science and biotechnology. Innovations in Medicine is sponsored by Amgen, where pioneering science delivers vital medicines. For more information about Amgen, visit amgen.com. What would you recommend? Get on a diet to lose that extra 10 or 15 pounds? Or forget about dieting, just get out there and exercise? I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. Today we're talking about fitness and obesity. Sure, of course, it's better to be fit and thin, and it's also better to be rich, famous, brilliant, and good-looking, but we can't pick all of those things. So when it comes to reducing cardiovascular risks and boosting the chances of a long, healthy life, which is better, to be fit or to lose weight? In a new study in the Journal of the American Medical Association, fitness is shown to have important consequences on cardiovascular health, independent of weight. Here to talk about it is the study's principal author, Dr. Stephen Blair, professor of exercise science at the University of South Carolina. Thanks for being with us, Dr. Blair. My pleasure, Paul. First of all, tell us about the new study, what you did, and what you found. This study followed a group of 2,603 women and men aged 60 years of age and older, who had had a comprehensive medical examination at baseline, including a maximal exercise test on a treadmill. So we had an objective laboratory measure of their cardiorespiratory fitness. We followed them for 12 years on the average, during which time 450 of them died, and that provided the data for the analysis. Another aspect of the laboratory assessment was that in addition to height and weight, which we could use to calculate body mass index or BMI, we also had measures of body composition derived from underwater weighing, uh, seven skinfold measures, and also fat distribution as indicated by waist circumference as a marker for visceral adiposity. In a nutshell, these people were very thoroughly and carefully measured in all kinds of ways. That's correct. The examination takes several hours. We have all sorts of blood chemistries and, of course, blood pressure and wide range of clinical variables, uh, medical history, family history, and the like. So we know a lot about these people. And as I said, they were followed for 12 years on average. We used the National Death Index to discover that there were 450 deaths in the cohort. So tell us what you found. What we found was that cardiorespiratory fitness was strongly associated with risk of dying during this follow-up period. We sorted them into five fitness categories, 20% in each group, and defined the bottom 20% as unfit individuals. The death rate in that unfit group was about twice as high as merely the next group, the group we might call moderately fit. And if we go all the way out to the most fit 20%, the death rate in that group was only one quarter that in the unfit individual. So very steep inverse gradient across fitness categories. But with most of the action, most of the bang for the buck, the difference between the least fit 20% and the next 20%. Now, these are people who, in in each group, some of these people were what we would call a healthy weight, some were underweight, some were overweight. It was a range. Is that correct? That's correct. We also then analyzed the data within 
weight categories, normal weight, overweight, class 1 obese, and class 2 obese. Class 1 is a body mass index of 30 to 34.9. Class 2 is a body mass index of 35 or greater. Both these categories are fairly obviously and seriously overweight or obese. Well, especially the class 2 uh, obese individual. Just for example, someone who, who is 5 feet 8 inches tall and in class 2 obesity means they're at least 70 pounds above the normal weight range. So that's a, that's a lot of extra weight. And again, we saw pretty much the same pattern of association across fitness groups uh, within each of those weight strata. And furthermore, when we looked at percent body fat, when we looked at categories of waist circumference, again, fitness was associated, higher fitness was associated with substantially lower risk of dying in all of those groups. Now, when you talk about, you know, getting an important difference between the most unfit and the category just above that who are sort of a little bit fit, is that a more precise way of saying just a little bit of exercise helps? Well, I think what it says is that following the consensus public health recommendations for physical activity, which we've had now for about a dozen years, uh, which is 30 minutes of moderate intensity activity, such as walking, on at least five days of the week will certainly get you out of that low-fit category and into the, the next category or maybe even the third category. And so the, remind us again what the benefit is. Of the, if you move from the lowest to the next lowest category? Cuts the risk of dying in half in, in this set of data. By five moderate long walks per week. Right. And the, the good news also is you don't have to do that 30 minutes all at one time. Three 10-minute walks a day, five days a week, will produce a fitness level that will get you out of that low fit and therefore high risk group. So in New York City, if I'm walking 10 or 15 minutes to the subway each way a couple of times a day, I'm covered? You tell me I'm okay? You are undoubtedly at least moderately fit, uh, depending on your other exercise habits. For those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Paul Rayburn. We're talking to Dr. Stephen Blair about fitness and overweight and how to make life better. We should talk about what I think many of us believe is a, is a, a large body of research and a long history of people making very close correlations between obesity or overweight and, and a decline in cardiovascular risk factor, you know, a, a, and a poorer outcome. Are you saying that that's part of the story or that there's something wrong with that body of research? How do we reconcile your new study with what we all think we believe is that every time you lose 5 or 10 pounds, you improve your outlook? Well, it's abundantly clear that obesity is associated with poor health outcomes, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and higher death rates. So there's no question about that, and I'm not arguing that we should ignore obesity as a public health problem or that an individual should ignore uh, obesity as a, a potential health risk for, for themselves. So I'm not saying that these results counteract all of that. However, I will put forth the cautionary note that in much of the research on obesity and various health outcomes, people have either not measured physical activity at all, or if they measured it, they measured it very poorly, so it really isn't all that useful in the analyses. And very few people have actually obtained the laboratory, you know, objective measure of fitness as we've done in this research. And I, I think in many of the papers on obesity and some health outcome, if they had a good, reliable measure of physical activity, or better still, a measure of fitness, 
And they would find that the risk, well, just what we found, that the risk is attenuated for the individuals that are active and fit. So I'm, but I'm not saying ignore obesity. And again, we have a lot of evidence that if you are obese, if you lose even 5% of your body weight, a lot of things improve. You will have lower risk of developing diabetes in the future. Your things like blood pressure and lipid profile will likely improve. So, yes, I'm not arguing against uh, trying to, to manage your weight. Of course, uh, one very important way of managing weight is to increase your energy expenditure, increase your physical activity so you can lose a little weight, and get more fit. Now, many of our listeners are medical professionals, doctors, nurses, and so forth. Based on your findings and your view of the literature, should they change what they're saying? Or maybe a better way to ask it is, what should they recommend to patients who are have high cardiovascular risks? Well, I think they should recommend to all patients to eat a healthful diet, which is a lot of fruit and vegetables, even up to eight or ten servings a day. Focus on whole grains rather than highly processed grains. Don't eat uh, too much fat, particularly trans fats and saturated fats, and get those three 10-minute walks a day. Everybody should be doing that. People of all sizes and shapes, people who are quite healthy, people who already have some chronic disease, those are fundamental recommendations that every health professional should be promoting for all their patients. Now, if somebody's saying what you really need to do is lose that 15 pounds, Is your work suggesting maybe they should modify that a little, say, you know, lose the 15 pounds or start exercising or maybe forget the the dieting altogether? How would somebody uh, work that out? What's the best way to put it? Well, I I don't think we know the best way to help people make lifestyle changes. We've we've learned a lot about those things in the last 10 or 15 years. So I, I wouldn't tell people don't try to lose weight. But after all, we have promoted weight loss. We've given that recommendation for a long, long time, and that doesn't seem to be the most effective strategy because the obesity rates keep climbing. So what I would like to do, both within the medical and clinical settings and just in public health in general, is we don't have to downplay the advantages of weight loss, but let's push more aggressively healthful eating and regular physical activity. Those are the things people can do. I'm not saying it's easy, but at least that's under their control. And if they do those things, you know, most of us who are middle-aged and older, who have gotten in that overweight or even obese category, we're not likely to go back to the weight we had when we were 18. It is possible, and we can find exceptions to what I just said, but we can all be healthier if we don't smoke, if we manage our stress, and if we eat that healthful diet and get those three 10-minute walks a day. So I think that's where we should put the emphasis, is trying to help people establish those healthful lifestyles. I mean, it strikes me, uh, listening to you talk, that you know, emphasis on dieting and so forth is don't eat this and don't eat that. And Whereas what you're talking about is do eat healthy things, do get out and walk and so forth. And there's something a little more appealing about positive things to do rather than avoidance, I think. It seems that way to me, too. And I think there are a number of weight management experts, psychologists and others who say exactly what you've just said. Let's try to focus on positive things that people can do. And, and in fact, we, we do have data from studies that if people will increase their fruit and vegetable intake, as a group, they, they tend to lose a little bit of weight. So these are 
very healthful habits just from the nutrition perspective. But if you eat a lot more fruit and vegetables, then you just get filled up a bit earlier and you don't eat as much of the high-calorie dense food. So push the healthful eating and regular physical activity. Now, one of the questions, you know, we're talking about five 30-minute walks a week. People always want to ask variations of that question, how much exercise is enough? And I know that for years I've covered the American Heart Association scientific sessions, and when the cardiologists, 20,000 cardiologists get together, you can't get through the traffic on the jogging paths, and many of them are runners and marathoners and everything. So there's there's almost a little suspicion that they're telling us 30 minutes a day walking, but they're out there running marathons. Do they really know something we don't know? Well, keep in mind in the paper we just published, the most fit 20% had a death rate only one quarter that of the least fit group. So there are additional benefits to doing more exercise, probably even doing some more vigorous exercise. But again, the biggest bang for the buck is getting out of that low fit group. And that's about all the time we have. Thanks a lot for being with us. We've been talking about fitness and cardiovascular health with Dr. Stephen Blair, professor of exercise science at the University of South Carolina. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Innovations in Medicine on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Innovations in Medicine is sponsored by Amgen, where pioneering science delivers vital medicines.